Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because oftentimes in our riches, we don't need God. We don't call upon God. We don't pray. And again, um, as God blesses people financially, and I, I do believe that's something that God does. Now, friends, I believe it's simply a, a matter of, of being uh, faithful with what you have. Uh, Malachi tells us it's the only place in the entire scripture where you can test God in, in tithes and offerings. When God said, where you have robbed me. And they said, well, where have we robbed you? And he said, well, in tithes and offerings. Well, he said, you, you do God's part and see if I won't pour on a blessing upon you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Now, that's a neat thing because, you know, when you shake something, it all settles down and you can get more in it. God's saying that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be shaken down. It's going to be overflowing. Now, I like that. But the thing is, a lot of times we look again for formulas rather than the relationship with God that we want. David began to amass a large amount of wealth, but what he was doing with it was not building himself a bigger palace. He had an eye for the things of God. And that, friends, is why I believe David was a man after God's own heart, in spite of oftentimes the things he did wrong. Now, one of the things you'll find as you study the lifestyle of David or the life of David, you'll find that he did a lot of things wrong. But the thing is, he always had a heart for God, and in his life there was proof of ministry, and what he did was that which, which brought people closer to the kingdom of heaven, not took away from them what they had. And this, I believe, again, friends, is uh, something that David, uh, what made David great. Um, and so you always want to look at what furthers the kingdom of heaven or what furthers the kingdom of you. And if it's furthering the kingdom of you, venture to say that um, uh, you won't be in that position very long because God will remove you and put somebody in that position who will do his work. And David was a person, again, that, that always, even though I believe he had those wrestling times with God, still knew that God was the Lord. So God blessed David. In verse 13, again, David made a name for himself uh, when he returned, uh, killing the 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. He also put in garrisons in Edom, throughout Edom, and put garrisons in all the Edomites became David's servants, and the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So again, we find not only God blessed David, uh, preserved him, but we also find it now again here, God preserved him wherever he went. You see, again, it's the blessing of God. It's the hand of God uh, in our life that makes the difference, friends. And so as a Christian, I want to tell you this. You're going to have a lot of enemies in your life. And it's usually people who do nothing for the kingdom of heaven. They may think they're doing something for the kingdom of heaven, but you, when you really examine their life up close, you find no fruit or very, very, very little. And because you do something right for the kingdom of God, you're a target for their criticisms, their, their uh, nastiness uh, will be focused upon you. And friends, it's just that way. Uh, and so um, God preserved David. And I believe that God preserves us. Because again, uh, it isn't that we do everything right. If, 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 if preserving uh, God's children was based upon us doing everything right, friends, all of us would be fried. But it's the heart behind that that continues to do and be about your father's business in spite of the daily problems and trials and things we all go through 
that remaining faithful to God, God blesses. And again, no matter where David went, God preserved him and kept him. And so that's an important thing. Well, it says that um, uh, David reigned over all of Israel. David administered judgment and justice to all the people. Again, this is uh, verse 15. Um, And uh, so in the midst of him and his foreign policy, uh, they still had good government. They still had justice within the nation of Israel as well as protecting the borders of Israel. This is what makes a good king. So not only did he preserve the well-being of the country, but he also tried to reestablish law and order and justice uh, within the nation of Israel. And it had crumbled uh, and was uh, in bad shape. In fact, that's one of the reasons why, if you remember, when the people of Israel came to um, Samuel, they said, Samuel, uh, your sons aren't really walking in your ways. Uh, we need a king over us because we don't have somebody to really basically control the government anymore. And so uh, uh, we remember that's where Saul and how Saul came along. But as you really look at the life of Saul, you don't see Saul going out, first of all, seeking God. Second of all, protecting the borders of Israel. And third, as, as we see here, uh, actually giving the people good government. Saul was not a good king, friends. If you really look at the overall view of, of, of Saul, it was all about Saul. <laughs> he was the one that, in fact, when he went and fought one battle, the Bible tells us that uh, on his way back home, he erected a monument to himself. <laughs> Yay, me. <laughs> well, that's kind of a weird thing. He had his view in the wrong place. And again, I believe that he was continually trying to establish himself as king after God had told him through Samuel that God has rejected you as king. And because God had rejected him as king, anything that would threaten his kingliness became a focal point of his wrath. And so we find then this continuance attack of David, whom Samuel had anointed the next king over Israel. Now I'll tell you, friends, if you look at uh, the life of David, you look when he was hiding from uh, Saul in the land of the Philistines, in Gath, as a matter of fact. That's probably why he knew how to take that town so easy, as he lived there once, or had been there once. Uh, Certainly, um, you would say, how in the world Could God ever fulfill David being the next king over Israel when David is running from Saul, hiding with the Philistines, and at one point after the Kenite issue, willing to go attack Israel? Because I think David was pretty much fed up at that point. Here he killed Goliath, uh, uh, the giant that threatened Israel. Uh, He was a national war hero, probably like a Douglas MacArthur, you might say, of the Second World War. And then uh, when Saul heard that he was up in the area of the Kenites, after he had just delivered the Kenites from, uh, David had just delivered the Kenites from the the Amorites, and they hauled off all their stuff, and David went and got it all back. He was feeling pretty good. And then he prayed and said, Lord, they, they wouldn't really give me into the hand of Saul after all the things I've done for them to help him. And God says, yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. They'll turn you over to Saul. And so that's when David left Israel. And the next thing we find is David's willing to go fight Israel because uh, I believe of, of him just giving up. You know, it's interesting. Again, you'd never see how God would ever make David the next king over Israel, but he did. And you know, those promises in God's word are just like that for you, you and me. 
you know, that, that, that God's going to keep his hand upon us. You keep doing God's will. But you say, but Mike, I've messed up. Yeah, you know what? We all have, and so did everybody in the Bible. But you know what? God didn't throw them out, and you see absolute fruit in their lives. You see, as an example, you see Peter, who messed up horribly, denying the Lord, cussing and swearing even. And yet we find David, or excuse me, we find uh, Peter um, writing First and Second Peter, encouraging brethren like you and me, casting all your cares upon him. He cares for you. And again, because I believe that uh, uh, Peter had denied the Lord, he knows what cares were. <laughs> you know, that came from somebody that actually understood what it was like to do it wrong and yet sought God and God saw him through. And we find that all the way through the Bible, friends. Uh, we don't find a, a, a bunch of people who love God that had perfect lives. We find in the Bible a bunch of people who love God in spite of themselves, continued moving towards uh, God's principles and purposes for their life. And so just to encourage you tonight that maybe sometimes you might beat yourself up a little bit about things you've done. But I just want to encourage you. You keep doing what God's called you to do and see if there's fruit in your life. And if there's not fruit in your life, then you need to pray and change your life because there's something wrong. And what do I mean by fruit in your life? I mean, is your family... Uh, are, you know, you, you're making sure that they're that they're in fellowship. Are you you making sure that that um, uh, the people of the kingdom of heaven are being drawn closer directly? See, these are things that God is concerned about, and and so again, letting God be God in your life. And this is again something we have a great illustration example of of King David, and so and how God used him. So we find here that. Um, Basically, the administration that he had, we find this verse here that speaks of he administered judgment and justice to all the people. Verse 16, Joab was over the army. Jehoshaphat was the recorder. Uh, Zadok uh, and Amalek uh, were the priests. Uh, Sarah was the scribe. Now, again, we remember that um, uh, the, some of these were with David for a long, long time. They were tied, tried, tested, and true. Uh, Benaniah was over the uh, both the, the Chetherlites and the Petherlites, and David's sons were the chief ministers. Now, at this time, David had many wives. Uh, he had actually um, uh, had multiplied to himself uh, several, and we find that in other places of the Scripture. So he had a lot of kids, and he had a lot of them uh, uh, being about uh, the, uh, the nation's business. Now, David said... Verse 9. And, and by the way, we remember that even though Saul was always seeking David's life, the weird twist in all of this was Jonathan, Saul's son, was David's best friend. <laughs> now, uh, to me, friends, that's God that does something like that. Here you find Saul, a sworn enemy of David, trying to kill him anytime he could, and Jonathan always tipping David off wherever. Uh, uh, his dad was about to make a move, he would inform David of what was going on to preserve David's life. And in one point in particular, Jonathan admitted and knew that David was going to be the next king over Israel, and it was not him. Now, I, I think that's interesting because Jonathan understood that principle, and I believe that was because of a relationship that he had with David and also with the Lord. So David said, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, not because of necessarily of Saul's sake, but for Jonathan's sake, because 
you might say, of the covenant that they made with each other a few chapters back, that they would always watch over each other's uh, posterity. And so it says in verse 2, And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So it was they had called to him David. David said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, uh, At your service. And the king said to him, Is there not still someone in the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God, the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Now, this is interesting because David is now looking for someone who, notice what it says here, that I can show kindness to. No, notice what he says, that I can show the kindness of God to. Friends, again, this is something that David recognized in his life, that he was a messenger, just like we all are, to show and demonstrate the kindnesses of God. Now, it tells us, verse 4, where is he? Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Mekur, the son of Emil, in Lodabar. So he actually was alive. He was in one of these towns. And so King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, uh, from Lodabar. Now, when Mesibabeth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself before him. And, and David said to him, Mesibabeth. And he answered, here is your servant. Now, the reason why he did this is because it was customary to kill all the sons of a predecessor's king so that not one of those sons would try to raise up. If you remember uh, the situation uh, in Iraq, how the press was on to find Saddam Hussein's kids. And the reason why is so that there wouldn't be anybody rallying around them later on. So Mesibabeth probably felt that David had called for him to kill him. And so, uh, because again, uh, he was a son of, of Saul, uh, a grandson of Saul, son of Jonathan, and probably there may very well have been that a lot of people didn't know about the relationship that Saul or uh, that uh, David had uh, with Jonathan, Saul's son. So even though Saul hated David, his son loved him, and so Mesibabeth probably scared for his life. He was the king had ordered him to be brought to him. They probably came and took him. Mesibabeth is probably sweating bullets, going, "This is it. I'm a dead man." You know, this is what they do to, you know, king's sons that, that fail. Um, it's over and done with. And I don't know if you've ever felt like this in your life, where you're just woeing and a-loathing the next day. I, you know, something's coming down the pipe and you're scared and you go, oh no, this is going to go crazy and I'm going to hate this. And Well, notice. And so he says, are you Mesibabeth? And he answered, you're at your servant. I'm your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. Now, I think that's interesting because I know that probably poor guy was, was just about faint. Because he thought he was going to be probably beheaded right there on the spot. This was common practice in these, in these countries uh, when another king came up that wasn't related to the previous king. Um, and so I'm sure that he thought that it was all over. Do not fear. For I will show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and restore you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a a dead dog as I? (laughs) Isn't that something? 
Here he thought he was going to be probably beheaded. David said, don't fear. I'm going to return all your land to you. Make sure you get it all. And from now on, you're going to be eating at my table. And you know what? David had the best table in town. He had a good buffet. He ate the best munchies. And so Mesibabeth, notice it says, was lame on his feet. Now, friends, generally speaking, people who were lame whose father had died in a war, generally speaking, weren't very financially well off. And so now, because of the kindness of David and the relationship that David had with Jonathan, his father, and no doubt when David looked at this Mesibabeth, he probably saw a lot of the features that were in his friend that had died on the battlefield. And so... Mesibabeth just didn't get it. He said, why, why would you look upon me? A dead dog is I. And the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all of his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. You shall bring the harvest uh, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mesibabeth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, according to all my Lord, the king has commanded his servants, so uh, will uh, your servants do. As for Mesibabeth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. And Mesibabeth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mesibabeth. Uh, it's interesting here that not only did David restore him all the land, but then he appointed servants to go out and work in his field and bring the revenues to Mesibabeth so that he would have money again. Now, again, friends, I look at this. This is kind of a picture type of Christ uh, that because we have a relationship with God, um, God is, shows kindness to us. Uh, you, you understand that, uh, again, it isn't because of anything that we have done. We're a bunch of dead dogs, aren't we? Just like Mesibabeth said. But it was because of a relationship that all of a sudden now we get to eat at the king's table. And friends, I look at that very, very precious that uh, even though we were all once dead and dumb and lost in our sins, but because someone died for us and because we have a relationship with that one, we now get to eat at the king's table. And God will provide all the things that we need for life and godliness. And not only in this life, the Bible says, but also in the life to come. And so he says here, Mesibabeth, verse 12, had a young son whose name, oh, we read that. Okay, verse 13. So Mesibabeth dwelt in Jerusalem. He ate continually at the king's table, uh, and he was lame on both of his feet. As we look at this, we realize that even though we're all a little lame on our feet, because we have a relationship with a king, we do well. Tonight, I pray that you have that relationship um, with the king. David is a type of uh, a Christ type in the Bible that we see often. And uh, it's interesting that Jesus is called the, uh, the, the root, uh, that part of, 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 uh, of David that, again, is reached out to, I believe, all of us. And because of that relationship that we have with our Lord, we're able to, to eat at the king's table. And I pray that uh, you have that. I just invite you to um, consider where your relationship with God is. Again, uh, it's, it's not a mechanical thing. 
You know, a lot of people are scared, like Mesibabeth, to come to the king's house. You see, he thought he was going to get killed right there. You know, a lot of people are scared to death to come to church. They fear what people might do to them. And by the way, I've been into some churches sometimes, and it is kind of scary what people will do to you there. But you know, when you really come into a place that's governed by the Lord's Spirit, it's a wonderful place. As Mesibabeth came full of fear, the command from the king was to fear not. And that God was going to take, or David was going to take care of him. And I would just invite you once again to consider that, that God wants to bless you and take care of you. We have a good God. And it isn't because I did something that now God's obligated to bless me. That's a mechanical thing. I do this, and then God, you're obligated to do that. And there's a lot of people that even teach a mechanical relationship with God. And friends, it isn't. If you really look through the Bible, it isn't a mechanical relationship. God is good to his word, but not because of the mechanics, but because of his love. And a lot of times we like to try to look for formulas. Again, as we started off earlier this evening, we like to look for formulas. Well, if I do this, 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 and this, and then, okay, God, then you're obligated to do this. Well, friends, again, God is good to his word. It shows us the pattern and the principle of a relationship with God. But again, having a hard heart towards the Lord sometimes and saying, well, it's simply mechanics really takes away the joy and the love that God wants to do. So I just invite you tonight to let the Lord minister to you, bless you, put yourself in a place of God's blessing. The Bible says that he will. God doesn't have favorites. God loves David. God loves you. And God loves um, the things that will be accomplished in your life for his kingdom. And so again, that will only come about if we yield ourselves to God. If we get ourselves out of the way, get the corruption out of the way, God will have his way and he will do those things. And so I just invite you tonight to let God bless you and heal you, restore you, because that's what he will do as he's promised in his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity, God, that we have to know you. Lord, without you, without your word, we we would not really understand a loving relationship that you want to have with us as your people. Father, just as you had that relationship with David, As we see how David blessed Mesibabeth, Lord, we see how you as the king want to bless us. God, sometimes we're so scared to come into your presence because of maybe things of the past, things we didn't understand, things we did, things we didn't do. But Lord, as we see David, just wanting to extend to him your blessing. God, you want to extend to us your blessing tonight. And so, Father, we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would keep us, God, in that mindset to be about your business. And Lord, that we wouldn't turn to the right or to the left, but Lord, that we would just remain on that course. Lord, until you change that course. And so, Father, thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name. And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with 2 Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part two of the first and second Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time.